Hello everybody, my name is Casey Harrison and this is the first ever State News Podcast brought to you by myself and my co-host Stephen Olshansky. How you doing, Casey? I'm doing pretty good. You look you look really nice today. I think you look better though. Let me let me tell you, you never wow. looked happier. Wow. I've never seen you look happier than you do right now behind that mic. Why thank you. And we're really excited about this opportunity to venture out into the podcasting universe on behalf of the state news. And the goal for our show is to deliver the state news and its content on a new platform while giving you guys, the audience, insight and fresh opinions on everything MSU sports and more. That, that even includes like national headlines. And so the, the format for our show is going to go a little something like this. We're going to break down um, every Monday and Friday, and when we, when we get into things, our segments are going to go a little something like this. Well, every Friday, we're going to start off kind of with a preview of the biggest headlines on statenews.com from the week, and then we're going to share our thoughts on the biggest national headlines, kind of things like the Colin Kaepernick story, Usain Bolt winning another gold medal even Michael Phelps winning another gold medal. We'll give you our opinions on it. I don't even particularly care about some of these things, and we'll get into that. And then we're going to break down on MSU's opponent of the week. So this week we got Furman. That's later in our show. And then we're going to give our hot takes of the week where we're just going to kind of banter on back and forth. I'm going to tell Mr. Harrison he's wrong, and he's going to tell me I'm wrong, and then I'm going to prove him wrong again. And then we'll close out our show with our picks of college football's biggest game of the week, a little something we've picked up on from doing very, from listening to various radio shows across the country. So with that, Mr. Harrison, bring it back to the people. So a little bit about myself before we get into the mix. Uh, like I said, I'm a sophomore here at MSU, a second-year journalism major, and uh, last year, it was my first year at the State News, um, I, I covered the women's basketball team, I went out and covered the Big Ten tournament for them, that was a really cool experience. This semester, I am the sports desk editor for the State News, and I... would like to call him the unquestioned leader of the sports desk news. That's right. But Steven, what about you? Uh, well, I'm glad you asked, Mr. Harrison. I, uh, I'm a sophomore journalism major from Livonia, Michigan, the nicer part of the Detroit area over Mr. Harrison's Sterling Heights, a little thing I like to rib him about. Sure. But um, I came here to cover sports. Uh, I started off on the hockey beat, and then I covered some of the city of East Lansing. I uh, covered everything that went on there, buildings closing, the park district buildings that hopefully will come down by December 31st. Uh, and then I covered the conventions uh, on the political beat. Wow. I went to the RNC and DNC in Cleveland and in Philadelphia. And now I am on the football beat with uh, Mr. Nathaniel Bott. And, uh, well, job starts today. So uh, couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more excited to do this podcast with you, Mr. Harrison. Yeah, and we'll bring Mr. Bott in. He's, he's a very nice guy. He knows what he's talking about. But, hey... You can't write off Mr. Olshansky right here. He's, he's a decorated member of the Journalism oh, we Society. We don't have to go into that. This man, he's won two Best of MSU awards, so, I mean, he's, he's just a Pulitzer in the making. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let, let's, before we get into the mix, um, we're going to take a short break, but let me, let me give you a preview. So we're going to talk about Tyler O'Connor. Is he a proven leader? What do you expect out of him this year? And Ed Davis, is he ever going to be able to play for MSU? Is he ever going to get his sixth year of eligibility? 
and John Renschke. He had some really interesting comments after the weekly press conference earlier this week. All that and more right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. Um, I'm Stephen Oshansky again. This is Casey Harrison. And, you know, let's get into this mix here. We've got a couple topics to get with you. Like Casey said, Tyler O'Connor, Ed Davis, and then a little bit of what John Reschke, uh, fifth-year senior, not fifth-year senior, junior linebacker, had told me at, pre- uh, at the press conference. You? He told me. Wow. Actually, he told a bunch of other people, but I was there. Um, so let's get into this. Wait, 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 wait. Don't forget to check out all of these articles and more at statenews.com. Right, that is right. So, Tyler O'Connor, Mr. Harrison, had won the position battle with Damian Terry throughout fall camp and spring camp and was named a starter by Mark D'Antonio just a few, about 10 days ago or so. And now he's going to come into the game with Furman, his second start of his career after beating the Buckeyes in Columbus with 89 yards and a touchdown to tie the game up at 7-7. Now, let's get into this. Is Tyler O'Connor the right choice at quarterback for Michigan State? Or should it have been Damian Terry? And how do you know, or let me say this, how do you know, or how fast do you think Tyler O'Connor picks up and makes an impact on the Spartan offense? I think he can make an impact right away. Mark D'Antonio knows what he's doing. He's been here for a decade, and he's seen the evolution of different quarterbacks during his tenure here. And whether you like it or not, o- O'Connor had the best resume coming into the spring practices and camp. He, he's one of the only quarterbacks in the country to go into Ohio State and come out with a victory. And that, that was the reason that MSU was able to play in the Big Ten Championship and in the college football playoff. So... Granted, he hasn't had a lot of playing time in his five years here at MSU, but he's been under the shadow of Connor Cook. Let let me take it from here. Now, here's the thing with Connor Cook and and all the comparisons to Connor Cook and Tyler O'Connor. Unfair or not to Tyler O'Connor, he's going to be held up in Cook's shadow but here's the thing that makes he'll them always different. be. Here's the thing that's going to make them different, and here's why he beat out Damian Terry. He has command of the offense. They voted him a captain for obvious reasons. The man is vocal. He leads on and off the field. There's no issues with his character that uh, any of us reporters have dig or been able to dig up on him. He commands the offense kind of with a vision that is related to Connor Cooks. He knows where to put the ball as. Uh, Mark D'Antonio was telling us at the press conference he knows where to put this ball and then he also has that mobility aspect that Connor Cook didn't have that is going to make it a little bit of a different dynamic for the offense that if something breaks down as Cook was very good at the pocket if he had to step up he's going to deliver that pass where Tyler O'Connor now if something breaks down there ain't, there isn't no anybody and you might see a little bit of that early on because these receivers are unproven the only one they've got right now is RJ Shelton if Tyler O'Connor and something breaks down, he's going to be able to be more mobile with his feet. Now, all the fans, when I bring this up, it's always Damian Terry's feet, right? Damian Terry is supposed to be the guy who's supposed to be the runner, right? However, Tyler O'Connor 
He's got just as good as feet, may not be as quick, but he's just as agile. Now, Tyler O'Connor is definitely the right choice at quarterback, and if anybody tells you otherwise, you need to put them away in a straitjacket. Hey, hey, play. don't, no, don't, you can't be that mean. I can be that mean. It, it's, it's, it's totally fine. Like, if, if you look at it from an MSU standpoint, as you should, and what's better for MSU at this point, is Tyler O'Connor having four years under Connor Cook and last year of Kirk Cousins. Or not last year of Kirk Cousins. Last year of Andrew Maxwell. He saw the trials and tribulations that Andrew Maxwell had to go through, and he also saw a lot of what Connor Cook went through and his pressures and whatnot. So for anybody to tell me that Damian Terry, who not really anybody knows about, they just love the Flash. Every, all these fans love the Flash. You know that just as well as I do. They see Damian Terry, they see he can run, but they don't realize that it takes a lot more than that. He's not a vocal guy. He really isn't. And so it's going to be Tyler O'Connor. He is the best choice at thing. So Mr. Harrison, do you have anything more to add to that one? Yeah, I think it was O'Connor's job from the OSU game. I mean, I don't think you could have put Damian Terry in that situation, and I don't think the Spartans come out with a win in that. I'm going to be honest. I, as soon as I heard Connor Cook was down against Ohio State... I wrote him off. I, I, same. I wrote him off. There was no reason to think that this guy who had never started a game in his life was going to do that. However, I think it did help that the conditions were so poor. It did. And that that defense provided a spark. It, that defense didn't give up any big returns like it did against Alabama, any of those big plays, because it couldn't give up those plays. Now, if, if Ezekiel Elliott on the second, let's say, second drive bounces to the outside, which they contained very well with Shalee Calhoun and some of the, the cornerbacks coming up and playing on if they had, if Ezekiel Elliott had busted off a 65-yard touchdown run, and just killed the momentum of that defense. Oh, not, it's a game's game. over. However, that defense, the Ohio State didn't adjust, and that played into Tyler O'Connor's hands. Now, it's not to squash any of the good things that Tyler O'Connor did. However, those conditions might have played a chance, and now you're going to see the real Tyler O'Connor is it's supposed to be nice tomorrow, Friday, 7 p.m. game at Spartan State. The jitters will probably be there on the first drive, but you'll probably see why D'Antonio made the right decision. I would say about second quarter, near the goal line when they got to find Josiah Price in the corner, just as Connor Cook always did. They always drew that play up. You're going to see that, I think, in the second quarter. You're going to see that play, and you're going to see Tyler O'Connor, why he was picked the starter. So let me ask you this. Um, I, I don't think Coach D'Antonio would have done this, but do you think that D'Antonio named O'Connor a captain? Well, he didn't name him captain. Do you think O'Connor was selected as a captain to just kind of shush the media? No, let me tell you. Let me tell you why, right here. They had asked Demetrius Cox. I was standing there, they asked him, they go, Demetrius is, they didn't say it in this word, but this was kind of how you would take it. They go, Demetrius, did, is Tyler O'Connor a captain because he's a quarterback and quarterbacks need to be captain out of necessity? He looked at everybody and he said no. He goes, if Tyler O'Connor was a running back, not a running back, a wide receiver, a running back, or any other position right now, he'd be a captain anyway. So let me tell you that. There's no reason to believe that it was some sort of makeup call and the stupidity behind any of those... That, that, was, the most, that was the worst thing I had seen. Uh, let, me, let me give you my straight-up opinion on that one. The worst thing I had seen during that little press conference, that little gathering after when the, court, when the captains were named, is Tyler O'Connor standing there, and the second question, the second question out of somebody's mouth is, 
does a quarterback need to be captain, and what are the benefits of having that? Now, that's just this plain dumb that takes away from anything this man has ever done. They, they're going to take away his leadership abilities that many of the players have told me about. They're going to take away his vocal ability. They're going to take away his playing ability that uh, his on and off the field stuff just because there's a non-controversy over a quarterback being captain. Quarterbacks don't need to be captains. Very fair point. So what about Ed Davis? What can you tell me about him? Well, MSU linebacker Ed Davis's eligibility still remains and kind of hangs in the balance. Still, uh, still, as kickoff is just on the horizon tomorrow, there's still no word on whether Ed Davis, unless something is crazy going on during the tape of the show that I should be on top of, but I'm not because I'm taping the show with you right now. If, uh, hopefully, Bot said something, but neither of us uh, have our phones on, so we're kind of screwed if something happens. Um, if uh, Ed Davis uh, is clear to play, it's not sure when he will play right away, though that by week, if he's cleared this week, or in the next coming days, or early next week, will probably help. However, Ed Davis's eligibility is still up to the NCAA for six years after those multiple injuries that he had sustained throughout the years. So, my question to you, Mr. Harrison, does Ed Davis get to play this year? And if so, how effective will he be, and when will he become effective? Ed Davis will play this year because the NCAA just likes to hand eligibility out left and right. Um, will he be effective, though? That, that's up in the air because he's coming off an ACL injury. And granted that medicine has come a long way in recent years, um, it's still a crapshoot because an ACL injury would be something that ended somebody's career about 10 or 15 years ago. And now it's, you're out for a year. Um, he, but if, if he can come back, he will be effective. Um, now, let, me, let me put you that line back in rotation. Is going to be Chris Fry, or uh, I'm blanking on the name currently. It's either Chris Fry or Andrew Dowell. My bad. Andrew Dowell or Chris Fry at the star position, and then it's going to be at the Mike. Obviously, it's Riley Bola, and then at the Sam, it's either going to be John Reschke, and then if Ed Davis comes back, it'll be most likely Ed Davis. And a lot of those guys can play different linebacker positions that as was well. One thing a lot of people they have one of versatility. They have some of the best depth in all of college football, and Ed Davis is only going to add to that. Oh, yeah. There's, will he be effective, though, after a year of sitting on that? He's just been now cleared to be at practice. I don't see him contributing as much as he did in 2014 as quickly as he does, or as soon as he gets back on the field. I don't see that, that happening, no. And, yeah, I mean, you bring up a really good point. He's coming off of injury, and you can say that about a lot of players on even like the MSU offense. Monty Medeiros coming back. You don't really know what you're going to get from him. Um, there's just a number of guys who you don't know what you're going to get out of them. Now let me segue into this. I'm not knowing what you're going to get out of them. John Reschke for sure knows what he's going to get out of his linebacking core. Now let me just read you this kind of verbatim. Uh, Already widely heralded as one of the top linebacker groups in the nation by various pundits, Mr. Harrison. Wow, who wrote this? I don't know. I couldn't tell you who wrote this one. And other media outlets, uh, MSU junior linebacker John Reschke said Tuesday afternoon that he and his fellow linebackers have the capability of being the best group of linebackers in the nation when that final ball is snapped. We know we're the best, and we know we can be the best, and we will be, Reschke said. 
the group will receive its first opportunity to live up to pundit expectations Friday against Furman, which, which prodded Reschke to note he wasn't concerned with the Paladines offense, saying, quote, it's a simple offense. Wow. I think we need to come together as a team. It's going to be a big team game, a stepping stone for an extra opponent. However, the big drop comes right now. He later added, we have to set our goals high. I think our goal, not to sound cocky or anything, but I think we can hold this team to no first downs. We can beat them badly, and that's what we need to do to make a statement as the best defense as a defense, if we want to be the best defense in the country, we need to start fast. So my question, was John Rasky serious? Or was he using it as a motivational tool to get his guys ready to go? Though they don't need to get ready to go against Furman, is it added, is it added motivation? Or was he actually serious? Listen, I'll tell you something right here. If the MSU defense doesn't allow a single first down against Furman, I will eat a shirt. I will cut up a shirt. Uh, next week's show, Casey Harrison eats a shirt because they're not going to give up first down. You don't think they're going to give up a single first down? Okay, let me think about. Let's think about this. Furman has what they lost to you, or no? The UCF lost to Furman. Furman got smacked by Virginia Tech, forty-five to three. Virginia Tech went seven five last year. The MSU Spartans, though, returning. Uh, Shaky on the D-line, however, it's not going to be that big of a problem against Furman. That linebacking core is going to blitz the crap out of these inexperienced guys, these guys who, who don't play at the speed every week in and out as MSU does. They're going to blitz them. They're going to come with pressure off the D-line. They've got guys who can move. Despite what you've heard, they have guys that can move and can play. However, they're not up to par as what they were last year. They're going to be able to stop Furman. That Furman, as much as experienced as they're, their quarterback has, he's not going to be able to have any time to kind of throw that ball, nor is he going to have time to, to even pick up a first down. I do not think Furman picks up a first down. That is my bold prediction for the week. But but it's still the first game of the season. There, there's going to be rust on both sides. And, you know, small schools like that like to try wacky offensive schemes. And I'm sure one of them is bound to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will concede you that point, uh, throwing it out there now that if they do not pick up a first down, you heard it here first, folks, other than the article hopefully you read of mine or... Uh, of yours, wow. Of mine, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, am I completely serious? No, I do think Furman will actually pick up first down. However, I gave you a little preview of that defense. Now, Mr. Harrison, it's time for National Headlines of the Week. Welcome back, everybody. Now, let's get to some of the national headlines going on around the country right now. Colin Kaepernick has been the center of attention in the sports world the past few weeks when he refused to stand for the national anthem, and now he's added to the controversy. Long story short, a video has surfaced of Kaepernick wearing socks with a pig wearing police hats at training camp back in August. And now the USA Today has released an article by Josh Peter who got an interview with Bill Johnson, the executive director of the National Association of Police Organizations, in which he had to say this. It's just ridiculous that the same league that prohibits the Dallas Cowboys football club from honoring the slain officers in their community with their uniforms stands silent when Kaepernick is dishonoring police officers with what he's wearing on the field. 
Johnson later says, I think the league is in a downward spiral regarding their obligations to the public under Commissioner Roger Goodell. And this is just another example of that. Kaepernick later took to Instagram in response, saying, I wore those socks in the past because the road cops that are allowed to hold positions in police departments not only put the community in danger, but also put the cops that have their that have the right intentions in danger by creating an environment of tension and mistrust. I have two uncles and friends who are police officers and work to protect and serve all people. So before those socks, which were worn before I took my public stance, are used to distract from the real issues, I wanted to address this immediately. And that brings this burning question, is Kaepernick right in taking a stand that no other athlete is willing to take? Yes. Oh, undoubt- undoubtedly, yes. There is, I, I see no reason why Colin Kaepernick cannot make the statements he's making in the ways he is making them. Now, you can say what you want about the socks with the pigs on them and the hats. I have, let me go into my background with the cops. I have one aunt. Two DUIs. Two, yeah, yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Three yeah. MIPs. Yeah, yeah, you wish. Um, I have. All, one, all joking I, aside, he doesn't have that. Yeah, exactly. I have one aunt, or yeah, one aunt and two uncles who are cops. Uh, one's reti- one of my uncles is now retired. However, they've all served 25 plus years in their respective police departments. Now, is it right for Colin Kaepernick to make these stances? It's undoubtedly yes, and let me tell you why. Because we get all over these athletes, you and I, anybody, gets all over these athletes for not taking a stand when they have the platform to do so because they're watched by so many millions of people every day on TV. Colin Kaepernick can do what he wants and how he wants to do it. It doesn't matter what you and I think or anything because Colin Kaepernick is only concerned with getting his message out there and this is his way of doing it. Now, let me touch on the socks first. The socks with those pigs on him. I don't really like those socks. You, you might not like them. But he's, he's entitled to his opinion. He's, he's very entitled to his opinion and here's the thing. I've seen, it, it, people might make this a black and white issue, but people calling uh, cops pigs, you, you, walk, you walk down any street on a drunken Friday night or Saturday night here at MSU, and you're gonna hear people honk, or oinking at the cops. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be doing that to the cops no matter, what, no matter what the situation is, just walking by. I've seen it, and the other thing is, I see it all the time on social media. People get pulled over, they're like, wow, oh, I got pulled over by the pigs. Or they tweet out logos, or they tweet out the emojis with the cop hat and like the pig's nose. It, it happens, it's not different for Colin Kaepernick than it is different for anybody else. We gotta stop treating it like that. See, and it really bothers me when people start to talk about cops and call them pigs because there's such a minority of bad cops and then their reputation spoils it for all of the hardworking men and women that put on the uniform. And when you put on that uniform and go to work, you don't know if you're coming home that night. Here's, here's the other thing that we need to touch on. And it's different because Colin Kaepernick's stance is about race. Yes. And you and I are white, obviously. I mean, we're probably the whitest kids that we both know. Um, his experiences growing up, his experiences for his friends, for his family, for anybody he knows that is a person of color, yeah, that experience is undoubtedly different and wholly different. There's no, um, there's no comparing the two. 
my experience growing up in Livonia is 90, what, not about 96% white. It used to be considered the whitest town in the country. I don't know what it's like to be black. And so when Colin Kaepernick tells me it's different, and every, all the black people, all the people of color that I have met, they tell me it is different, and I've read things about how it's different. It is undoubtedly different. And I can't, I can't say he is wrong because I, I don't think he is wrong because of how many examples I've seen that, uh, or that I know of, there used to be, there's a joke in Livonia that you can't drive while black, uh, it, that you get pulled over for a DWB, driving while black. It's, it's a thing, it's, it's maddening when you think about it, and it, it shouldn't happen, and Colin Kaepernick is right to take his stance in any form he wants, especially on this, because it concerns him and it concerns his friends. And so what either you or I think about it, we have to be kind of progressive and move it forward compared to what things have been done in the past. And you're 100% right. We have a saying back home, uh, there are a lot of people that would joke around and they would call Sterling Heights, Sterling Whites. And there are in instances of police brutality that go on every day. And a lot of it, it, doesn't comes, it, it, it comes with a racial background. It, it, and that's, it's, it's gotta end. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of seeing headlines and seeing videos of somebody being dragged out of a car and being put into a chokehold and shot. shot. It, and, it has to killed. stop. It, it, it's, it's, it's something in this society that we don't want to talk about because the truth, you and I know. It scares it, people. It, it scares and they people don't want to talk about it. It makes them uncomfortable and they don't want to talk about it. It's because people like you and I, or not people like you and I, but people who live in our towns that have lived there forever, the old people that are like 60 and 65, and they went through some of the civil rights and things like that. They have always known their towns to be white, and, and they only know those six miles. Livonia is a six by six square, four by four, I can't remember what it is. And that's all they see, because that's all they know. And no matter what you or I, how much we, how much we watch, um, watch the TV, it's not the same experience, no matter how much we read, no matter how much we watch. And so Colin Kaepernick, when he feels this way, he is not wrong. And him to take a stand, uh, him to take a stand on national TV is more powerful than any stand that I have seen currently. It's the same, I liken it to the 1968 Olympics with those two track runners on the stand raising the black fist. That, to me, that symbol is right up there. Maybe not in terms of, of power, because it's not the captured moment that everybody sees. Perhaps it will be when you get week one and someone snaps a photo of Colin Kaepernick sitting on the bench instead of standing for the national anthem. Then you might get a sign that's different. Colin Kaepernick should do it this way. I think he needs to do it this way, and I think for, for, if we're going to have a serious conversation about it, because the conversation we've had about it right now is focused on all the wrong things. Uh, all the hype surrounding Kaepernick is focused on the wrong things. And so he needs to continue to do this if we're going to have any sort of thing. And he needs to stay in the news. And it, with this pig socks, it, that, sure, I guess you could call it disrespect for the police. But he's talking not about all the police. But we have to keep in mind he's talking about the rogue police. The police that beat up those people for no reason, who pull people over just because of their color, who do these racially charged things, that's what we need to clean up in the system. I don't, it, it, one is one too many, and you need to clean it. It's, perhaps there's not all the systems, not all the police departments, but you need to start somewhere. And if it's the big cities from the top down, that's probably the best alternative. And I, I commend Kaepernick for being in the, 
the power status that he has going out and making a statement. Nobody does that anymore. There aren't really celebrities that go out and make a powerful statement or take action against an institution that they are so clearly against. The you, you had LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony come out on the ESPYs and say that they were going to initiate and change. They, and and they what have they done so far? They haven't done anything. In terms of what we know, or if they've donated in private and it hasn't been brought out, that's... Then, as of right now, we know nothing. This is a bigger stand than what they were doing. It's no disrespect to them because no, they're doing no, not at all. Good as well. But that's how you—that's how you initiate change—is by making a statement. You have to. Yeah, it, it, it's like it was a statement and not just—it was a, a stand and and a statement, not just a statement. And so, Colin Kaepernick is right to do what he is doing. And the mis—the most misguided thing and the problem I have most with the arguments against him. Or like talking about as a disrespect to the military families. And I can understand where, where that comes from, especially for slain soldiers and slain soldiers' families. The, what I, it was had, the only thing is it had nothing. It had nothing to do to with the military. With the military, I doubt he disrespects the military. And there's another thing in this country as well is that we have like if like if you like were if someone was to ask you um, if you supported the troops and you said no, someone would shoot you. Obviously. No one would ever really say no, but there's an obsession in this country kind of with the military in terms of, do we need to do better by our veterans? Do we need to do better by the military? Yes. Undoubtedly, yes. But there's some sort of like, you kind of, it's like a blind look at things, you know? If, if someone says um, you can't, or you have, you raise the American flag, um, you have to have someone dying devotion to it and anybody who's ever served under it. And it, that to me is almost, it's kind of, it's almost like 1984 that well there's there's multiple parts to that and it goes back to patriotism but what Kaepernick did it it is patriotism it's, I think it's even because more patriotic than anything a lot of these athletes are. you you have the right to free speech to assemble how you want and, and, and he's exercising that yeah, exactly. no matter what people want him to do and what people want him to conform to he's not and that's that's the wonderful thing about this country is that people can make stands and they can say whatever they want. Speaking of stands, let's segue into our next statement, and that was about Joe Paterno. Mr. Harrison, take it away. Mr. Joe Paterno, an article that came out by ESPN, written by Josh Moyer. Um, the Penn State would like to formally honor Joe Paterno on September seventeenth. That, that place is getting crazier by the day. So for the first time since his 2011 firing amid the Jerry Sandusky child sex abuse scandal, during the team's game on September 17th against Temple, the Penn State Nittany Lions would like to formally honor head coach Joe Paterno. The school will commemorate the 50th anniversary of Paterno's first game as head coach. Paterno was I'm sorry, Paterno finished his career as the winningest coach in FBS history with 409 victories, but he was fired in November of 2011, shortly after Sandusky, his defensive coordinator, was arrested for child sex abuse allegations. Paterno later died in January of 2012 due to lung cancer. So, the question for this segment is, should Penn State honor Joe Paterno? Um, undoubtedly. Let me let me let me say this up. Let me set this up for you. There are reasons, yes, 
and there are reasons no, and the no's are going to cancel out the yeses pretty quickly. One is obvious. What you read that right there. 409 victories is the most by any FBS coach, or was I can't remember. Is I believe yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I was for some reason I had thought uh, Bobby Bowden had it, but it was the other way around. Um, there would be one, right? All the things he had done for the community. There's another. But here's here's the thing. Those 409 victories. When you think of Penn State and Joe Paterno now, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, Mr. Harris? The, the, the sex, the sex abuse, abuse scandal. You, you don't think about winning football anymore. No. When you hear the name Penn State, do you kind of cringe? Yes. Do you kind of go, I don't know if I'd want to go there. Like, any, like near the campus, on the campus. And it's not a, like, it, it's, it, that's kind of an assertion that that's wrong. There are great people at Penn State. Even great people in that community. Um, but it has that negative connotation with it currently. Even kind of bringing up the subject, when I found this article, I, I kind of got this weird pit in my stomach that just makes you feel uncomfortable. Right. Oh, yeah. The, the, when, you, when you think about Penn State now and you think about all those kids that Jerry Sandusky uh, violated and, and kind of I, some of them have never recovered from it. I, I don't know how anybody really would. And, I, and if I have future kids one day that pray to God that nothing ever like this ever happens to them. Now let me go back to that paternal stuff with the winning his head coach and how they, that's how they should honor him, right? Winning his head coach and then all the things he did for that community. Well, the football stuff doesn't matter anymore because of that. Because if you think about Penn State and Joe Paterno's legacy is now tarnished and kind of just obliterated when you think about how he let those kids down. He let, so that's that community one, too, and those football right there. With just the one statement, you take them both away. Joe Paterno, and allowing Jerry Sandusky, or in, not ignoring it because he did report it to, to higher management, but they did nothing, and he could have done more as well. That man is Joe Paterno. He's not some low-level third-string coach who can just babble onto the press and they can cover it up. It's Joe Paterno who could have gone anywhere in that community and there would have taken his word uh, as, as literally the word of God. That, so for them to honor him now, it's kind of asinine. There's no reason to honor Joe Paterno any more than... It was right for them to take the statue down. They shouldn't put it back. There's no reason to... Like, Joe Paterno was a, was a god there. And then for what he did and, and covered up and, and or helped cover up, he didn't actively cover it up. He just played a part in it. If for him, for the Penn State to honor him for that... It doesn't resonate with me. I don't get it. Maybe it's because I don't go to Penn State. I never grew up a Penn State fan. I don't know what it's about. But to me, to honor him it is, is pretty asinine. Well, I, I think this, I think it's kind of a way to kind of commemorate the past and resonate those good feelings that were once had and try and brush the, the dark side of it away and move on and here's the thing all those fans packed in that beaver stadium except for i guess you would call them the smart ones the ones who care about the world and know that sports is not real that you and i are lucky to do this and talk about sports because people actually like want to i don't know if people want to hear us but they want to consume sports in some sort of way and those people are going to sit in it stands at beaver stadium and they're gonna listen and they're gonna cheer and they're gonna clap for joe paterno and, and forget about the things that he did, and that's just kind of whitewashing it to me. 
it, it, it is, and you can't just brush it under the rug. There, there's no way to get around it either. There, there's nothing, you can't explain away any of the facts that, of, of what Joe Paterno did. There's no excuse to honor him or to name anything after him at, anymore. So it's, it's too little too late now, but should have Penn State gotten the death penalty? Oh, yeah. And, and since they didn't, no other NCAA school is ever going to get that death penalty. Baylor should get the Baylor death penalty. Baylor should have gotten it. The, for allowing football, it's nothing to take away from those players and what they did because they had no idea what was going on. Those players were well kept away from any of those things. And to take away the victories is dumb, but to, um, for Penn State, like I said, like to honor him and all that thing, they deserve the death penalty. It could have been five years. You wipe everybody out of that program. It should have been five years. It should be their first year back. It, it, it's because of what they covered up, what Paterno didn't do, what everybody else didn't do to protect these kids in that community that had given them such blind love that they thought they could get away with it. And that's the most disgusting part is because they became so wrapped up in football that a sexual abuse scandal and then firing of Joe Paterno caused hundreds of thousands, or not hundreds of thousands, thousands of college kids to rush into the street screaming, we want Joe Paul. Imagine you being that guy at 30 or 20 or anything who, um, who had been raped or sexually assaulted or sexually harassed by Jerry Sandusky and you look out your window in the college, uh, college station, and not college station there, you look out into, in, at the Penn State's campus and you see the flood of all these people just screaming for Joe Pop back, and you know Joe Paterno helped cover it up. Imagine that. How would, how would you feel? I don't think you could ever emulate that. It's such a sickening feeling just to think about it at face value. I, the only way to ever just be done with it is to just look ahead and put it behind you. It's, you I don't think you can. I still don't think you can put it behind you, though. You can't. It, it's should, always going to be in the back of your mind. It's going to be with Penn State for as long as I live. I'll think about it. I don't. Obviously, my kids won't know about it other than if they read about it. But it, they should have gotten the death penalty. They should have been there first. You wipe it, when you give the death penalty. You wipe everybody clean. The university presidents and everybody should have been wiped clean because they they put football ahead of kids of kids the community things that actually matter they put it ahead of people's lives and that's the same thing Baylor did with the sexual assault the covering up the of the sexual assaults of women by players they covered that up and they ruined people's lives because because their players can throw a football farther than some other people and that's stupid it's asinine it's dumb it shouldn't be a thing they should have got the death penalty Baylor should have had the death penalty Penn State should have had the death penalty that's end of story for me when we come back, let's talk about our hot takes for the segment. Colin, I bet Alabama misses the college football playoff. I don't trust Cardell Jones in his second start ever to go up against an, uh, a Nick Saban defense with extended time. I think it could get ugly, too. I think Alabama wins comfortably. Sure, the Heisman Trophy race sort of begins and ends right now with Denard Robinson. What are your latest predictions now? Who's got Utah? Not BJ. Mm -mm, I got Ohio State. I have Ole Miss, Georgia. They won't be there next week. And Notre Dame. Well, I don't get. They're in COVID. 
All right, glad to have you back on this Friday afternoon. I'm Stephen Oshansky, and that's Casey Harrison across from me. This is the TSN podcast, or as it's otherwise known, the State News Podcast. So we're going to get into what we call hot takes. It's going to be the lighthearted section of this podcast. I'm going to give you about a minute or two of me rambling on. Casey will respond. So what I will say is anything I find controversial that I want you to know or anything, uh, a bold prediction that somebody hasn't had or a bold prediction with a little bit of my spin on it. And then Mr. Harrison will give you his. So let me get into this. Michigan State has decided that the University of Michigan is always going to be an obsession. Now, they tweeted out with a bunch of pictures of their different groupings, of their different people, of their different position groups, of their people from different schools, all that stuff, from from different high schools, yada, 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 from different states. But I digress. This tweet comes tagged with with a graphic that says, those who have stayed are already champions. Now, that's a little bit of a tweak on what Bo Schembechler had called uh, those who stay will be champions. Now, it's a Michigan staying. Obviously, they went, Michigan State went the route of tweaking a rival, and it, honestly, it's annoying. It's dumb. There's no reason to do it. There's no point in trying to tweak your rival, especially at this point. What have they done? They hadn't started anything. There's no need to do this. There's no reason to call them out to say that and this. And Spartan fans eat it up. I don't think... It's anything necessary or anything noteworthy to talk about. It was dumb on that part, on Michigan State's part. There's no reason for it. I guess if it works with the recruits, it works with the recruits. However, I don't think it was right. I don't think it was needed. There's no point in trying to bash a rival that you've beaten up seven of the last eight years. You currently own the state. There's no reason to do it. There's no reason to become what those Michigan players already are and what their fans are and what their program is about and talking about things that have already or talking about their boasting about things they've done anything that there's no need for it let me tell you why you are wrong so I'm waiting Mr. Harrison Michigan State winning seven out of the last eight seasons is enough to warrant that no but let me get back to it when Big Brother comes and pushes you down, and then for years on so end, wait, wait, they, would, they would take a dump on the floor and then stick your nose in you it. You heard it here first, folks. Yes. Michigan is still the Big Brother that Mr. Harrison wants you to know. That was back then. Ooh. This is now. now. Now, Little Brother has grown up, and he's able to fight back. And, I mean, it's a rivalry. It's, it's something that will be going on until the end of time. I think the rivalry antics are dumb. Spray painting people's statues, spray painting. Well, that's dumb. But it's the same boat. I mean, this is still like a little playful thing. Like, nobody got hurt with this. No no property was damaged. Was it? No, no property was damaged, and that property isn't damaged anyway. You spray paint. It's just an easy little scrub. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's something that you have to pay someone to clean it up. I, I think it's grouped in within the same block Hopefully, you guys will marinate on this and form your own opinions. Mr. Harrison, it is your time for your hot take. So, my, mine's going to be a little bit shorter, but let me, let me tell you. Are you saying that I ramble too much? No, I'm just saying that... I know, Mr. Harrison. My, my take isn't that hot, because if uh, you ask other people so around is, the country... So, is it like a scorching level? Is it... 
it's, you burn your you burn your hand on the stove or is it like yeah I touch the hot plate from the microwave it's kind of like when you dig into a hot pocket and then you take a bite and then you're like holy crap that's that's really hot okay. and then you spit it out and then you're right. like a little welt on your tongue go for it Ohio State is going to win the Big Ten yes forget Michigan forget Michigan State forget Iowa forget Wisconsin Ohio State has the quarterback who will lead the Big Ten. The Big Ten. The Big Ten. You heard it here first, folks. The Big Ten. To a championship, to the college football playoff, and to a national title. The second one in three years. Let me double your hot take and tell you that Mr. Harrison is wrong because Iowa is the underdog and could win the Big Ten, I think. Will win the Big Ten. I like Iowa. Iowa hasn't really lost have, anyone have on that their chip. They have that chip on their shoulder that is prominent in a lot of Spartan victories. However, Mr. Harrison, I think Ohio State on paper because they reload every year because they have JT Barrett. He's gonna be a Heisman contender. He's gonna probably be the best quarterback in the nation. I think I do think Ohio State can win the Big Ten. However, I think you are wrong. You gotta say though, they're the Big Ten East favorite. I don't know about that. Really? I think Michigan. You, you like your Spartan dogs? I do not. I am not a slappy. I'm not going with Spartan dogs. I do believe that the Michigan Wolverines are currently the favorite to win the Big Ten. Really? Yes. That's that's a very hot. That's a hot take in itself. Yeah, there it is. And there you go, folks. That is our hot take for the week. After this, we bring you the picks. Welcome back, everybody. It's a beautiful Friday afternoon here in East Lansing. And now it's time for our next segment. We like to call it 5 and 5. And now it's time for the picks. And now let's take a look at our Saturday selections. We're going to start Desmond in the Big Ten here. Let's go with some upsets here. Give it that game. Big fella does it. Yeah, big fella. And Clemson there all the way around. Are you kidding me? Utah. Texas A&M, Michigan State over Wisconsin. That's I don't know what to say. Looking at your picks, I got a chance to see them before you started. They're awful. We like to call this segment 5 and 5 because we like to dissect the five biggest games in college football over the weekend, um, the top five non-conference games, and then the top five games going on throughout the Big Ten. So let's get started, Stephen. Game number one, number 14, USC. And they will take on number one, Alabama, at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Alabama, though, favored by 11 and a half. I've got Bama on this one. I don't think they match up with USC. I don't think USC matches up with Bama very well. Bama starts the title defense off on the right foot. Bama 45 to 21. Bama's the number one country in the team. Actually, they're the number one team in the country, and they're going to win by 20. Game number two, though, number three, Oklahoma taking on number 15, Houston, at NRG Stadium in Houston, home of the Texans. Oklahoma favored by 11.5. What you got? I got Oklahoma. I do like Houston and the Cougars, however, to play a good season. If this was a later season matchup, I'd have a trouble picking this one, but right now I think Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma hold that advantage over the Cougars. Give me Oklahoma. Uh, even, in tech, even in Texas and in Houston, give me Oklahoma by 10. It's going to be a close one, but Oklahoma's going to come out on top. Give me Oklahoma by a field goal. Game number three, 
Number 11, Ole Miss taking on number 4, Florida State at the Citrus Bowl or whatever it's called. FSU favored by 4.5. Who you got? I do like Ole Miss and Chad Kelly, but I don't like them right now. And I've got Florida State. They're going to start. They're going to go back and they're going to try to win another Natty title. I do think Florida State wins this one by more than 4.5. I've got them by a touchdown. Florida State over Ole Miss. It's, it's nothing against Ole Miss. They're a good team, but they're just not Florida State. Florida State is the number four team in the country. And quite frankly, Florida State's going to win this one by 13. Game number four, number two Clemson traveling out to play the Auburn Tigers. Clemson, though, the favorite by seven and a half points. What's it going to be? Well, I've got the Tigers. But uh, let me tell you which one, that's Deshaun Watson. No doubt about it, Deshaun Watson and Clemson take it into Auburn and come out with a victory. I'm going to go, they're going to go up by more than 7.5. I've got them with uh, probably by 14. I'm going to go 35-21. Deshaun Watson is going to win the Heisman this year. Clemson is going to be national champions. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, give me Clemson by a boatload. Game number five, though, number 10, Notre Dame taking on Texas while Texas is at home. Notre Dame favored by three and a half. What you got? I've got Notre Dame. However, I do think they start out fast, and I do think they get to a lead. However, Texas makes it close at the end. Notre Dame does shake off the offseason troubles. They went 24-17. to 17. Notre Dame, even though the spread says three and a half, the game is going to be a little more wide out than that. I think Notre Dame wins by a touchdown. All right, now let's get to this Big Ten here, Mr. Harrison. We've got number five, US, or LSU taking on Wisconsin. LSU favored by 11.5 at Lambeau Field. Uh, I'm going to give you my pick. LSU could be Lambeau leaping all over the Wisconsin Badgers in their home state. LSU wins by 14, uh, 20, no, not 28, 35 to 21. Really? Well, I mean, you're not kidding anybody. LSU is going to win. But I'd like to say that that 70s show is one of my favorite pastimes on Netflix. And the, the show is set in Wisconsin. So I'm going to go for the upset here. Wisconsin wins by a last-second field goal. Game number two, though, Miami of Ohio at number 17, Iowa. Iowa, though, they are favored by a long shot, 27.5 points. I've got Iowa, no doubt. There's no need to discuss this one. <laughs> Over to you, Mr. Harrison. Uh, I, I agree with you. Hey, let's, let's get to even some better football. Number three, Bowling Green. And they're not number three. It's game number three. Bowling Green at number six in the country, Ohio State. And the Buckeyes are favored by 28. What you got? I've got the Buckeyes. No need to discuss this one either. Buckeyes rule. I'm going to go by even larger than 28. They win... Probably going to blank them 35-0. Yeah, give me, give me Ohio State by a ton. Game number four, Hawaii at number seven, Michigan. Michigan favored by 41 points. That's an awful big spread. And it's about right. I've got Michigan, the Wolverines, winning by 50. Um, you know, Hawaii almost looked like a high school football team in their game last week against Cal. Um, and that's not going to change. Uh, give me the maize in blue by 100. Not, not actually. And then game number five, the last game of the week, Furman at number 12, Michigan State. 
we've got men on the scene, including Mr. Olshansky. What's it going to be, Mr. Beat Rider? Well, let me preview a little bit for you. Michigan State uh, gets their offense rolling behind LJ Scott and a combination of Mondre London and Gerald Holmes. They get that. They pick the offensive line, gets a little bit going in here. Furman doesn't stand much of a chance against the defense. Michigan State comes out with the first half, comes out of the first half leading 28-0. Final score, 45-7. to Michigan State kind of had trouble playing the, the lesser opponents last year, but still always came out on top. I think it's going to be the same way this year. Michigan State is going to beat Furman by two touchdowns. And we got a bonus game for you. Western Michigan coming out to Northwestern. Northwestern, though, with the Cats favored by five. Oh, well, I'm going to say uh, Northwestern is not going to win. Cats are not going to beat the Broncos. The Broncos stampede all over the Cats. It's going to, I wouldn't say all over, but they're going to make a statement. Western Michigan shows they are real and a contender for the MAC. Western wins this one 27-24. to I don't agree with you. Western Michigan is going to have to row the boat back across Lake Michigan to Kalamazoo because Northwestern's going to mollywop them and they're going to win by three touchdowns. And those are the picks. Welcome back, everybody. And now that we're through with the picks, we're going to get a little more nitty-gritty when it comes down to the MSU game against Furman. Now, I've got a couple questions for my colleague, Steven. We'll see how much he knows about this MSU team. And, Steven, my first question for you is, how will the offense fare against Furman's defense? Well, uh, Furman doesn't have much coming at all. I don't think this one really needs to be dissected very much. The Spartans, uh, as much as there are question marks on that offense, uh, whether the receiver is whether the receiving core is going to uh, be able to actually catch the ball, well, who's going to be emerge as the guy, and who, who's going to lead the running backs, you're not going to find the answers to those questions. You're going to see how good Tyler O'Connor is, but you're not going to get very many answers. However, they're going to outpace them. They're going to outscore them. That's going to be a kind of a route. There's no need to worry about the Furman defense. However, as D'Antonio says, he did say they had some good cornerbacks, so you might have to watch out for that on any of the deep balls or anything if Tyler O'Connor tries to get too, you know, too fancy or tries to be the hero if MSU is trailing or tying or any of that. Um, other than that, Michigan State offense is probably going to roll um, behind LJ Scott, who I think will get the more carries of the three. MSU is going to have no problem on offense moving the ball against Furman. Does O'Connor get a little cocky? Is he going to throw any picks? Uh, I do not think he will throw a pick. Some errant passes, some uh, ones that are in somebody's feet comes with the jitters. It's going to happen. He probably, he probably, he's going to throw a pick eventually. Don't think it'll be this game. Uh, Tyler O'Connor, uh, I'm going to show you why he is one of the, uh, or why he is the right pick for uh, for Mark D'Antonio and the Spartans. What is the defense going to do on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage? How will they respond? As much as John Reschke wants to hold Furman to no first downs, I do not think they do it with the young, inexperienced defensive line. Um, you've got Malik McDowell, who will probably have a big game. He'll draw most of the double teams all night, leaving, um, leaving the rest of the guys open to, uh, to rush the passer. It's going to allow some of uh, Riley Bola and... Um, 
Riley Bola and John Reschke to come off the come off the edges and they're going to be able to make um, some defensive plays pretty fast, pretty early. Their quarterback, however, is a uh, very um, he's a very experienced guy. He's been the captain for four years, so or this is his fourth year as captain. He's going to. He's going to be able to command the offense, yes. However, I do not think uh, he's able to uh, throw anything uh, spectacular. There shouldn't be an upset in the works. Don't think there will be an upset in the works. The defense probably holds out. Probably will give up you know, anywhere in the range of 200 to 300 yards. It will probably give up a touchdown, but no, not till later in the game. So that is uh, the defense for you. So who are we going to talk about on Monday? Who's going to be a surprise or standout player out of this game? I think RJ Shelton has a big game on special teams as well as receiving. I think we'll talk about where he goes going forward. However, um, I don't know how much you'll see of him if they get out to a big lead. However, I do think he scores the first touchdown of the year. If If it's not a running back, and it'll probably be a running back, I think RJ Shelton scores the first receiving touchdown of the year. I think the first touchdown is going to be six points. Is it? Yes. Okay. Just, just. I mean, there's a there's a chance that it won't, but I think it will be. All right. All right, everybody. <laughs> that will do it for podcast number one. Thank you so much for tuning into all of it. We appreciate any feedback that you have for us, how we can improve, and as the state news podcast continues to grow, um, be sure to. Share about us on Twitter, on Facebook, or other social media. Any any sort of criticism helps. You can tell us we're the worst in the world, and we'll probably take. We probably won't take it to heart, but we'll definitely use it. So leave your feedback. Now, the other surprise we've got for you is that we'll probably be joining iTunes once this thing picks up and gets going. So that's what you have to look forward to, Mr. Harrison. I'll let you close out this first show. Go for it. You know, Stephen, you you looked. Very, very nice at the beginning of the show. You look a little more tired now. And with that, I would like to say thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody.